Welcome to the Data Diaries podcast and this special series on leading through the COVID-19 crisis for visitor attractions executives with your host, Angie Judge, Chief Executive of Dexhibit, Big Data Analytics for Visitor Attractions. Hello and welcome to the Data Diaries. Today I'm here with Alex Marsden, the National Director of the Australian Museums and Galleries Association, who is joining us to share her perspective on how COVID-19 has impacted the Australian attractions industry and what we can learn from our Aussie neighbours. Hi Alex, what is life like in your part of the world? Hi, thanks Angie and lovely to see you again and thank you for asking me to speak. I'm based in Canberra, our national offices are based in Canberra. I'm speaking to you from my home, my study upstairs, now my home office. And I'm very fortunate that I'm in beautiful Canberra, which with a a big house and a gorgeous garden to play in as well. So I have no complaints there. So this is where I'm speaking from. And I run Amaga and Amaga has two two aspects to it. It's the National Membership Association for Museums and Galleries, the organisations as well as individual members. And we're also a peak advocacy body. And they're two major streams of work that we do. And whatever we do in one informs the other. So it's actually, I think, a very strong and informed organisation. It also means it's not very wealthy because we we get membership associations. So we're not very wealthy at all, but we're very independent. So our voice is is valued, let's say. Very nice. And what's the situation like uh, in terms of COVID-19 for Australia in both health and economic sense? Well, I want to say a couple of things first. First of all, Australia had the summer from hell. Okay, so Mm. we had bushfires which many people around the world would have seen were horrified by we had a billion animals wild animals burnt that is just so distressing we had bushfires we had smoke in canberra we had the worst air quality in the world we normally have amongst the best for for weeks on end Uh, we had floods then in queensland and elsewhere we had communities devastated so that's all that so this has now come on top in fact we were talking saying oh the next thing is going to be plagued locusts and of course we've got COVID-19 so you know we shouldn't have said the p-word so that's the first thing um setting the scene the second thing is I recognize we are a very wealthy and a very lucky country compared to many others in the world so whatever I'm talking about it is within that context and I understand and recognize and I'm very grateful for that when I'm talking down the track Thirdly, just in terms of the arts and culture in Australia, it's a, it contributes $111 billion per annum. It's not a small industry. It's not a small niche thing. There's 600,000 cultural creative workers in Australia. So all that's setting the scene. What's happening here under COVID-19, I think like many other countries in the world, we're seeing not a rollback of neoliberalism, but certainly a suspension of neoliberal approaches to what's happening. And by that, I mean suddenly recognising that um, more welfare is required, understanding that the gig economy isn't that brilliant for many workers, the fact that we need to provide support for businesses and injection of, of other sorts, forms of targeted support. So that's really an amazing thing, I think, for many countries in the, around the world and in Australia as well. That's gone along with various social distancing measures for a start and bans on large and small community gatherings, which had a huge impact, which I'll talk about in a sec, on performing arts, for, for, for example. Um, just They were the first to get hit and they'll be the last to reopen uh, when they can reopen. So we've got the bans, we've got health checks. We are flattening the curve at the moment. People have responded on the whole pretty well to the social distancing requirements. We've got homeschooling. 
We've got employers basically taking over people's homes, domestic spaces as workspaces, which, you know, is, is a thing to think about and understand people's sensitivity about that, but they're doing it at the moment. And we've got packages, which I can talk about in a moment for, for that support. So what, what does that look like? What's that sort of stimulus or, or government contribution to life and support for both businesses and individuals? Yeah, yeah, they've got, I think, $168 billion Australian dollars package at the moment, which is massive for this country and it's the biggest ever. And I think that lots of countries in that space at the moment, mostly in terms of going to businesses to support employees. So job seeker, job keeper support, um, cash flow support. There are some targeted injections for some different industries. There's a billion dollars for regions to support them with tourism and agriculture for a start. Not much for arts and culture yet. And uh, that's a real problem for us. A lot of the JobKeeper support, which is fantastic for many businesses, doesn't really cover the majority of cultural organisations or workers, as has been recognised in other countries where they've developed um, more targeted support for the casual workers or performers who who have different so-called employers throughout the year, so they're not covered by this sort of support. But there is major support from, from the government for many businesses and employers. And so what does that situation look like in the um, cultural sector at the moment? What's the, what are leaders thinking? What's the general feeling out there? Mm. Well, the cultural sector has been hammered. Okay, what's happening in the industry? I mean, they're all closed. <laughs> they're all closed. Um, and as public spaces, that, that, that's quite devastating for them. The general sentiment is still one of anxiety and confusion along with the determination to somehow be open still in a virtual space and in an empathetic way with, with the public and with visitors, even if they're not visiting physically. So that's really, really important. There are um, different support packages coming with the different, you know, Australia has different provinces or states and there are different support packages being done being given out by some state governments, which is marvellous, and some cities as well. The City of Sydney is providing some support for, for artists. As we all know, the cultural and arts and heritage and history sector is very large and diverse, the tourism sector. So we've got historic sites, we've got small, many, many small community-run museums and galleries. We have many that are funded by our local government, our third tier of government in Australia. We've got really significant Indigenous art centres, and I want to speak about them. They, they provide amazing employment and access to the most brilliant art. Uh, some of the best contemporary art in Australia is, is there. And they're bigger than art. They are part of culture, cultural keeping, cultural safekeeping, traditional knowledge. So their elders are very vulnerable to COVID-19. So ways and people are, are very anxious about protecting their elders, these elder artists, protecting the communities, protecting traditional knowledge and culture. So they've been really cordoned off, locked off from, from any visitors at all, um, which has to happen. Local government, many local government funded museums and galleries are not being seen as essential services. They're shedding their staff. There's certainly contracts and employees and casuals are gone. The artists that they liaised with and gave employment to uh, are not able to be supported. And we are concerned that many of those won't reopen um, when we come out the other side. And then, of course, there's the big organisations, for example, the National Gallery of Australia. They have a brilliant five years in the making exhibition on Matisse and Picasso, which is great. Went to the opening, it was beautiful. Now closed. And so, you know, 
it's that that that's heartbreaking just in terms of people having access and seeing the brilliantly curated exhibition and also the income which 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 they need they're not terribly well funded by 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 our government major shows closed historic sites in regions interpretation sites no one can travel so gone you know we have uh, small museums which uh, this is their peak season for getting income from tourism and from events and that's not happening. They're losing 20, 40, 60, 80 percent of their income for the year. And you mentioned some of the differences between, say, Sydney versus other parts of Australia and between sort of sizes and types of cultural yeah. institutions. What, what are you seeing in terms of across the wider visitor attraction sector with aquariums and, and libraries and gardens and that sort yeah. of thing? Work closely with libraries. Of course, they're, they're, they're closed. I mean, there was some, we've had some confusing messages earlier on from government, like all libraries were closed. And then, you know, there are many different types of libraries. So they were obviously thinking about public libraries, but the academic libraries, the specialist libraries, there's a particular library that's working with an institute on vaccine, you know, so, so those closed. School libraries, if schools are still open, uh, what about school libraries? So there's, there was some confusion. The libraries have been wonderful, actually. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff with the Society of Authors and with publishers in terms of getting audio books, in terms of having virtual story time, storytelling that used to be in the library space is now online. So, And they also have great um, benevolent funds being set up, as does the National Association of Visual Arts, NAVA, another peak advocacy organisation. So they are, there are many differences. Convention centres with the conferences have really... Um, yeah. Absolutely hammered. We had our um, the big event of the year, national conference due in May next month in Canberra, Canberra Convention Centre, and uh, we had to make the decision to we postponed it. We know what we don't know. <laughs> and so, looking back as an industry in Australia to GFC uh, in 08 or to um, 01 or or even further back in 87, what sorts of lessons do you take from um, when Australia has faced times of economic crisis before and what that's meant from, for the sector? I was thinking about this, and I, you know, I think people are continually thinking about what are we learning? Is it too early to learn? But we are actually learning things all the time um, and thinking about the past. I've got four big learnings, big lessons at the moment that I'm really aware of. One is that, you know, in all the dystopian fiction about the future, and we're living in a bit of one now. The heroes are generally the action men, the soldiers. Not, not in this future we have now. Our heroes are the carers. You know, really quite different. The co people who collaborate, the people who care, um, the health workers, the teachers, the researchers, and the shelf stackers. So a lot of the people, you know, people who are undervalued, they are the heroes at this time. And this is really important to think about the messaging that we give out to people, the educators. The second thing is the resurgence of community rather than individual trumping all and the strengths of community and also the need to support it. That's a real strength of our sector, of our cultural sector, Angie, um, really is. And we need to celebrate that and support that more and see that that's actually spreading around the community. The third thing is the accelerated trend to digital, um, which is huge, but along with that accelerated trend to digital is also a valuing of simpler stuff like non-tech, like valuing the environment and home cooking and all of that. So that's interesting nuancing there, both digital and non-digital. And the fourth and the biggest thing for me actually is that I think this is a trial run for concerted global and national and local action 
on climate change. It really is. It shows that you can have democratic forms of governance. It shows you can get away from some bipartisanship up to a point. It shows that we need to have changing living and consumption patterns and can do that. And it shows that we need to have stewardship of the earth and the environment. So they are my four takeaways this week. <laughs> it changes week to week, doesn't it? Although I think these are actually, they're strengthening. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. And so when do you think this industry is going to be ready to reopen in Australia? Is that next month, next quarter, yeah. further, further afield? Um, that is really difficult to predict. As we know, things are changing daily. In Victoria, I understand the state institutions are being told that they will all reopen on the 1st of July. Interesting. We'll see. We will see. But that's, that's what they're being told at the moment. What's interesting is that there is a push from some quarters for as soon as possible because they're pretty onerous restrictions that people have at the moment. But there may well be in Australia and elsewhere a trade-off in privacy with people agree to have some sort of app on their mobile device which tracks them so that if there are infections, community infections, then they, or their contacts can be known and tracked instantly. And that's raising all sorts of alarm bells for people, of course, in terms of privacy, ongoing privacy, what's going to happen afterwards, access uh, for other reasons to this sort of data. So that's, that's a critical thing. At the moment, a lot of organisations, uh, museums and galleries are doing housekeeping work, which is really very useful. The ones that actually can do stuff online or a few people um, are going in and doing that. So when will the doors reopen? There is a move afoot for saying that Museums and galleries are highly loved and valued communal spaces, but they can also be more easily controlled than, for example, sporting arenas or mm. shopping malls. There could, be, there could be one of the early openers where people can be managed. It sounds awful. You know, the, the, the way in which they move around the space can, can, can be managed and keep people safe. So that's it's one, one move, certainly, that, that's being thought about and talked about. What does that reopening look like for you? Is that, do you think we'll see a lack of international tourism? Will there be domestic limitations to movement, capacity restrictions, other sort of regulations in place? Tourism is going to be impacted for years, I suspect. People are going to be very, governments are going to be anxious about reopening borders to any general slather. Cruise ships, not a good um, image at the moment. And they, they provided a huge amount mm. of Income and visitation to our tourism attractions, um, particularly up in Queensland, but all around the country. Very, very significant. Our airlines, like everyone else, airlines are, are really struggling, so there's lots of uh, support for them at the moment. But tourism is going to be badly impacted, which can have all sorts of spit-off effects in terms of focusing more on domestic um, travel and tourism. But international will be severe impact. We, Amago, will be doing a survey, impact survey of our members next week. Have to do that very sensitively. We've got very different views about whether you should do it at all or, you know, people are, are very struggling and suffering. On the other hand, we need more data. But that's really important to, to know about. NAVA, I mentioned before, have got some great figures in terms of impact, great in terms of good data, terrible in terms of what they mean. In the first week, there was $50 million worth of lost in gigs, over 10,000 gigs cancelled. That was just in the first week, a month ago. Touring exhibitions at the moment are stopped completely. Whether they'll restart or not, galleries and museums are thinking some might be able to restart it and travel around. Some they just put on hold and have a think about it. Others can't be reactiv reactivated, have to be shelved completely, perhaps because the objects are on loan and they've run out of time or it's just 
too expensive. There's going to be less money around as well for funding these sorts of things. So it is a severe impact economically and socially, and it's not going to be over quickly. How long do you think it will take to recover? Are we talking months or years? I think years. It's going to be patchy and it, it depends a lot on the support that's provided. And also, what do you mean by recover itself? Is it, It's back to the status quo. Well, a lot of cultural attractions in Australia, while brilliant, we're actually we're struggling a little bit anyway. So I think we need a rethinking about the role of culture and arts and heritage and history in this country. We're expecting a hit with a closure of quite a few of the smaller ones. A lot of the ones which are run by volunteers may just, you know, decide it's too hard after all. And that will be a major pity, you know, once they've lost the money to actually get up again. Many of the local government ones have people being redeployed. So that's up to us as a MAGA to really advocate strongly for their importance and getting support in, in getting them up. Quite a few building projects around the country. Some of them are well advanced, like the new build for the AA Museum, which opens at the end of 2020. That should be fine. But others um, may well be impacted, put on hold or delayed or have less put into them. I think the biggest hit is going to be on the arts ecosystem itself, on the people and um, on the artists and the fabricators um, and the researchers, all of that. And I think that's going to be years in trying to support that reworking and support people to get back up on their on their feet I'm, I'm afraid and i also think probably because there's it'll be such have a such a huge hit economically that there'll be less money around generally we'll be tackling the deficit which we're racking up so there'll be less philanthropy and less government investment however let's get positive as well I think the innovation and the new community connections being made are massive and they will continue and grow and expand. And there are the most wonderful examples of that already around the world, as in Australia. You know, the Museum of Australian Democracy, Old Parliament House are doing gorgeous things. Just go on web, look at them. National Portrait Gallery are doing amazing things with portraiture and, and online lessons. And so that's going to be that's going to be huge and wonderful. And as I said before, there's also the concept of museums and galleries being safe, beloved and easily controlled open spaces, public spaces, community spaces. So, you know, they will have a stronger place um, in, in Australia rather than weaker. One can only hope and we'll work our hardest to make sure that happens. Definitely a role to play in the healing, isn't it? Yes, yes. We've made that argument many times in the past, you know, various submissions to, you know, commissions of inquiry into mental ill health and others. There's great work being done in the UK on social prescribing of, of, of um, access to art and culture and interactivity with that. So it, it's a critical part of well-being anyway. And I think we may well find that the arts and heritage and history and culture are absolutely fundamental in rebuilding. We've been saying that too with the end of the bushfire season and the fires that you know these organizations and arts need to be involved in rebuilding communities and even more strongly now and what do you think is unique about the cultural experience or the industry in australia that other parts of the world could borrow or learn from well first up i think just around the world it's not unique to australia is the value of culture and arts and heritage and history i mean it really really is so important and fundamental to each to each community and each nation is it's massive and that is shared around the world and as an example of that you know when i'm when i've been asked 
publicly, you know, why should we worry about arts and culture? And we say, well, what are people doing in lockdown apart from trying to eat and not go crazy? Is they're listening to music, they're creating music, they're, they're looking at art, they're creating art, they're reading, they are imbibing culture and keeping their humanity going. But in terms of Australia, well, about Australia, I think one of the most significant things is our Indigenous art and culture, and you can actually access a lot of that online, but it's so profoundly beautiful and important. And Australia has an incredibly multi-layered identity and experience for people. We have 65,000 years of continuing culture. We have an incredible multicultural history uh, layered on top of that from around the world. And that interactivity is creating something very new and dynamic and interesting and particularly in terms of understanding the land and understanding the power of stories and the power of culture is really something that I think people can come here and learn about and 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 experience we have also our amazing um, natural and cultural environment and landscapes and food difficult to get to in real life at the moment but go online and have a look and um you know we do want to welcome back people as much as possible internally and around the world as i say online but also for real it would just be wonderful to welcome you back because it's a pretty unique place it is indeed and so you mentioned some of the work that your organization is doing could you talk us a bit more about how you're supporting uh, museums and galleries through this time we're we're a complex organization which is good I think, because we're many different entry points and access points and interaction points. So we have a national organisation and a national presence. We have state branches with state committees and state people who are really, really interactive with their local communities. They do a range of, of networking events and professional development. And we also have national networks of expertise, for example, in art craft design or in um, uh, performance art, performance theatre in museums or in maritime museums or evaluation or education. So they're all different ways in which people interact. What we've been doing now, first and utmost, is advocacy. It's been so important to advocate for the importance of this sector at this time and get into the ears of government. All of that where we're advocating, we're putting up uh, strong proposals for industry support little bit which happened but we have to keep on pushing and pushing. I've been talking a lot and liaising a lot with colleagues in the sector so that's one of the lovely outcomes is real strength and relationships across the arts and cultural sector. We do member services of course and last year we really ramped up our webinars, skills development webinars, again very much focused on the fact that um, outside of the large city centres we've got many organisations spread across this vast, vast land who don't have access, physical access in the past to learning and development. So now we've got amazing webinar series. There's a real hunger for professional development for connection we're finding at this time. So we're really pleased we're, we're providing that. We're also doing research. We've got research applications in with universities at the moment one of which is focused on the sustainable development goals of 2030 that so how we can be involved in that what strategies museums and galleries can do for me personally i'm leading this organization we've got branch staff um, in in several states and territories we've got staff and home offices so really trying to be very I constantly worry about people and their their, their health they're working beautifully really really committed that's a large part of our work our national council is very concerned in providing huge support as well i constantly worry about whether we do too little or too much in terms of messaging out to our members and to the public and i don't want to spam people 
I don't want people to say, what on earth is going on? We don't know. So I think the message is we're doing the best that we can. We are a, a small, independent organisation, very concerned, seeing lovely things happening as well and trying to share good stories, good examples of innovation and keeping people up to date with things. And we also reshare. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. If other organisations have got great data or great programs going, absolutely um, link to them, send them out, share them. That's, that's really important. Thank you, Alex. Any last pieces of advice for um, professionals listening in wherever they might be? Yeah. Be compassionate and share. So share your information and resources. Now is not the time to hoard stuff. Now is the time to be compassionate and to share as much as you can. Digital, huge, massive pivot to digital, of course, but that isn't the only thing. There is a digital divide in Australia. There's a greater digital divide elsewhere in the world. So try and work out different ways to provide support to people. You know, as I say, there's this twin thing. There's digital, there's non-digital. You know, focus on both as much as you can. And also, other countries, I think, have been quicker off the mark in providing specific targeted support to the industry. We haven't done enough here. We're really working hard on that in the next couple of weeks. The industry really, really does need it. It's quite different from many others. It will take longer to get up, back up and running, performing arts in particular, but others as well. So work hard with your, with your governments and your philanthropists to get that targeted support, because otherwise we'll be much the poorer for, for decades to come if we don't now. Great sage advice. Thank you so much, Alex. It's a pleasure. It's a great pleasure. To follow Alex's work, go to www.amaga.org.au. And for more information on the COVID-19 crisis as Visitor Attractions Unite, see dexhibit.com forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.